Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Helen. And welcome to another episode of the Salty Mums podcast. Exploring how as Christian mums we stay the salt of the earth in today's culture with women sharing their stories and wisdom. Hello. Good morning, everybody, or evening or afternoon, depending on when you're listening. Yeah. Great to have you back. How are you, Becky? I'm all right. I'm, I'm happy. It's looking very spring-like outside. It's blossom. Very awesome. chilly, but beautiful blue skies. Yeah. Wore my sunglasses this morning. Did you? I did. I dusted them off. Out. And how are you? I have had a little bit of a hectic week, if I'm being totally honest with you, Becky. It's one of those weeks where it's a bit like a jigsaw. And if a piece mm. just goes ever so slightly out of kilter, then it throws my whole no. week. So that in we're having our bathroom done at the moment. So... Mm. About a week ago, the bath was removed, which left us with a shower still, and the shower broke two days ago. So that's less than ideal. Found that out at 6 a.m. Um, Were you in the shower? I was not, moment? because there was no water coming out <laughs> of it. <laughs> As in it, broke, broke. Yeah. So, uh, so my husband, who is very handy, and I'm very lucky, spent all of yesterday evening um, replacing the pump to fix it. And as I was putting the washing away this morning, I noticed he's now gone to work away, turned his phone off. Um, and I noticed a rather large wet patch on my son's ceiling. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's less than ideal, I think, probably. So I don't know what to do. So I rang my dad <laughs> like a 16 year old child. <laughs> I love the feminism in that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I'm all for women that are good at things like that. That is not me. Dad said, you need to turn the stopcock off. And I was like, the what now? <laughs> uh, so he was like, go on FaceTime. <laughs> so there I am FaceTiming my dad while he shows me how to turn a stopcock off, which, by the way, is in my downstairs toilet, should oh, anyone need that information. Uh, yeah. I, I never feel as useless as when you take the car to the garage or, yeah. or plumbing, actually. Yeah, plumbing and, and, and probably electricity yeah. as well. And I Be- kind of feel I'm letting the, the feminist side down with those I things. I'm terrible at those kind of things. And because my because life is a jigsaw this week, my father-in-law is coming to pick the children up from school. So I had to ring him and say, please make sure you've done your poo before you come to our house. <laughs> because you won't be able to flush it. So, yeah. And then he was like, have you, have you emptied the hot water tank? I was like, the what now? Like, no. So who knows what I'm going to go home to today? I might just stay here. <laughs> Well, next, well, this week's guest actually lives around the corner from me, so maybe you could send your father-in-law she around does. And her husband is a builder, yeah. so he was next on my list yeah. after my dad. I was going to be like, Paul, could you just come and help me? <laughs> so we are absolutely delighted that this week we've got a really good friend of ours, um, Charlotte Herlow, here with us. And um, we are very excited to hear from Charlotte. Um, Charlotte, Welcome. Hi guys, it's really nice to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Do you oh, want to tell pleasure. us a bit about who you are, Charlotte, who you live with? Yes, what so do? I am Charlotte, as you've mm. just said a few times. <laughs> Charlotte, um, Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah, married to Paul. We live in Farnborough, around the corner from Helen. Um, and I have three children who are uh, two girls and a boy, all at primary school. And... Um, it's World Book Day today oh, as I'm recording yes. this. Yeah. So we've had uh, quite a hoo-ha in the build-up. They've <laughs> gone as a really eclectic mix, actually, which I'm happy with. <laughs> so we've got, uh, my eldest is Elsie from the Ice Monster. And then the middle one is the Runaway Pea. 
And then the youngest one is Zog. Oh, looks, they all look quite cute, actually, in their own way. So yeah. yours this morning, Becky. We've got fantastic Mr. Fox and mm. an astronaut, just because Henry wanted to be an astronaut. You're always yeah. good at costumes. You're so cute, Becky. No, I'm not. I'm really not. Including no. face paint. I, I did do face paint. Face I'm face. pleased with my foxy face. Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what did yours go with, Helen? Uh, we've got Matilda the Musical. That's the obsession in our house. Yeah. So sure it's from a book but you know originally <laughs> somewhere a long time ago mm-hmm. Matilda was in a book uh, and then um, my eight-year-old boy who clearly uh, is far too cool for school has gone in his West Ham kit because they do like a biographies of footballers <laughs> oh so that's how oh. I managed so he's to... linked it to a book yeah. that way yeah. that's cool which actually another twist of fate this morning was that he oh no I don't believe in fate do I? I'm a Christian and um, that <laughs> <laughs> their dad went to work with the book in the car. Oh, bless. So we were already having a slight, not meltdown, but we were, mm. we were anxious about World Book Day and then we didn't have the book. Mm. Oh, oh it didn't really the weekend. One thing after the next. Two more days. Okay. Well, a friend of mine, her school specified not only a world a, a book costume, but a woodland creature. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I know. Sack what, for the whole teacher. school? Yeah, for the whole God, school. That's quite hard. I'd be quite annoyed. Anyway, so anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's who Charlotte is. <laughs> I've got three children. There we go. Yes, and I work uh, as well four days a week now, but it, over five, so it often feels like I just work five, <laughs> five days a week. But what do you do? Uh, I work for a consulting engineering company mm-hmm. as project manager, mm-hmm. and uh, in kind of the aviation area. To bring our so feminism back up there. Yeah. Yes. A woman engineer. Engineer, mechanical engineer. Yeah. Originally. <laughs> yeah. Women in STEM. Yeah. So you're here today to tell us a little bit about a pretty awful diagnosis that you got. Can you tell us a bit about the sort of sort of situation in life you're in at that point yes. and, and what happened? So I had two children mm-hmm. um, and was awaiting the third. Um, and about, well, actually, when I look back, probably a couple of months before he was born, I started thinking, hang on a minute, this is not quite right. I I had, it was not even really a lump. It was more like a great big step <laughs> on my right breast. Um, it sounds like a bit odd saying step, but it was, it was very long and thin. So it wasn't mm. at all traditional what you would look for. Um, but I thought it was related to the pregnancy. And the milk duct situation because there's so many changes in the breast area around pregnancy. So I just kind of like ignored it. And then I thought, actually, hang on a minute, doesn't seem quite right. So I went to the GP about a week before who then looked at me, looked at it and, and, and said, actually, I think you probably should go to the hospital um, for a check today. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like, OK. And then I went to the hospital and saw it was probably not that day it was probably the next day but they they put me into the breast clinic and then I had um basically the same thing like straight away biopsy that day and then the consultant said are you on your own and I said oh yeah I thought I actually literally thought she was just being making conversations so like, <laughs> yeah yeah I just drove here really really close she's like right okay so then they put another appointment in she didn't say anything then and then I had my mum come with me actually the second one actually it was probably two weeks before so then one week before then that's when my mum came as well and then they said oh actually you've got a massive cancerous tumour 
that was actually 15 centimetres long. <gasps> what? Yeah. It's like half a ruler. It's not even like, yeah, it is. It's yeah. like one of those little rulers. But basically it kind of went and it had gone right under my arm as well into mm. the lymph wow. system. So it was uh, quite so, big. So how pregnant were you at this point? Oh, th- oh, so then I was I was 39 weeks, which was actually, mm. in hindsight, really fortunate. Mm. Um, mm. And maybe it's a good thing in a way that I didn't go st- straight away when I had the concern because mm. there would have been then a... They said it's really fortunate because you don't have to make any choices mm. about yeah. you or the baby kind of thing mm. because they needed to get on with the treatment straight away. So then I went... To, I was booked in straight away for an induction, but then William was like pretty much ready to come anyway fully cooked yes so then i went in and um had the baby uh, like a week after that diagnosis and then had to then go pretty much straight into treatment from there wow Mm. my goodness me it's brutal yeah it was quite hard actually yeah what was your treatment path so i had first of all well actually I'll just go back to the challenge before that. Mm. So then mm. as I had William, obviously I had all that going on, but they said because I had to go straight into chemotherapy, mm. like quite a high dose of this awful kind of chemotherapy that they don't even pump in. The the nurse has to kind of sit there and manually mm. pump it in. <laughs> mm. So um, I went into that straight away, but they said I couldn't breastfeed, obviously, because I was going having chemotherapy. Mm. So then that was a whole immediate challenge because mm. I'd fed breastfed the other two um although Florence the middle my middle one Florence was it was a bit was not ever that successful so I wasn't totally set on it because mm. but I I um I was really upset about it because I just thought oh no you know they go on about mm. how the how the first week or so is really important mm. so I basically started on because I'd read like the first 24 hours, all the colostrum and all that. I was like, right, I'm just going to do it for 24 hours and then I'll stop. But then the result of that was that then all my milk came in mm. and I had to oh. stop feeding him. And literally it was like the worst case of engorgement that the midwife mm. had ever seen. Oh. <laughs> and they had to give me the secret pill to make the, the milk stop immediately. And they don't, they don't, I've wow. now told you a secret pill. But anyway, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. a, there is a way of immediately that. stopping it yeah. because it was unbearable so mm. that was like the first start to the first few days of William that I could literally barely move and at that point you know you've got this diagnosis you've got a newborn so mm. you're probably not getting much sleep you're hormonal yeah and then I had the, the girls <laughs> you've as got well. two other children yeah. yeah and actually I feel sorry a little bit for my middle one because this because previously I'd had two miscarriages between num- baby number one and baby number two so then I was getting older, so I thought, right, I'll get one because I really wanted to have three. And it all worked out nicely that I could have William, but the result was that they were really close mm. in age. So I feel like poor little Florence, you know, mm. I often look back slightly and think it was all about kind of bringing William mm. into the world, but she was only one and a half and yeah. I was kind of straight off into loads of treatment. So it's quite hard for her as well, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Hard so, for you all. Yeah. 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 It was quite hard so uh but um we had you know my mum helped that was quite mm-hmm. nice for the first bit and then my sister managed to take a month off work which was totally angelic of her mm. for, not straight away but like in the summer after yeah. so she could help a little bit as well because are, you, yeah. are your family close by or no because no. you're Yorkshire They're all miles last, away. You? yeah I am yeah <laughs> from Yorkshire so my f- I'm from York originally mm. but my sister's in Suffolk um, I've got a brother as well who lives in London. Oh, 
So, so it's not like you had a yeah. family around the corner just no. doing it by. No, exactly. So yeah, it was quite, it was quite tricky actually. Mm. Yeah. How do you think that the children coped with, you said that Florence was 18 months at the mm. time, Anna presumably was. Yeah, years? she was four and a half. So I feel like if, at the time I was more conscious of what she was thinking, mm. but then also almost aging her slightly mm. in my head, mm. thinking she might understand more than she mm. does. But I had all my treatment to start with at St. Luke's in um, Cancer Centre in Guildford. And they've got a really good, uh, it's called the Fountain Centre. It was a really good resource. It's so, such a good support for people. It's basically um, a centre that's within the building, but it's run by volunteers. And they come along and you can book in for treatments and have like reflexology Mm. and talk to people mm. and you know mm. go and sit there and have a cup of coffee before or after your treatment um so that's quite good but they had a child psychologist who yeah. interestingly <laughs> again i like <laughs> hesitating to share interestingly do you remember the first ever child in the chocolate factory yeah yeah with like jean wilder was yeah, it? yeah she was one of the child actors in that oh. and now she's like an amazing <laughs> she's had a career change away from that yeah. she's an amazing child therapist who really helps the children and there's even there's like um a little outdoor area where you can sit in the garden there's like a kind of a shed it's not a shed it's more than a shed but like an outdoor Mm. building thing shed (laughs) (laughs) um with loads of toys and they can do like children's therapy and stuff so Anna went for a couple of sessions there but then we decided that actually it was maybe I was putting the ideas in her head mm-hmm. more than yeah. she was feeling because she hadn't got any um it was almost easier having younger children because she didn't have any mm. preconceptions of mm. cancer or hadn't heard of the word or yeah mm. other people mm. that's come up quite a lot hasn't it about like um you know in previous episodes about how much you tell children because mm. you kind of want to explain but they're not always ready to, yes, to hear exactly, and you've yeah. got to kind of wait for them to be to ask the questions yeah. and then answer them. Almost recognise it as an issue before you start going in mm. trying to solve the issue mm. that you think that they might have because mm. they might have not even thought about it. Exactly. And similarly with, with Florence, um, she was so little, you know, we were just yeah. making... It was quite hard. We actually then ended up on the advice of all the people at the Fountain Centre in Macmillan who were really helpful as well. We ended up getting a nanny for nine months Um, Mm. who actually was uh, related to Paul. So that was really nice because Mm -hmm. it was kind of within the family. She's like a trained nanny, but she's like a second cousin to him. And Mm. it was really helpful having her. She was lovely, actually. Amazing. Did she live in the house? No, she just came in the morning at eight o'clock and then did breakfast in the school run and then left at six. Mm. And I was, it was really hard, actually. You might even remember me talking about (laughs) it a lot because... She was, she is lovely and she's a good friend of ours and, um, and it, she was really amazing like during the year, but it, I, I personally found it really difficult because I'm not really a nanny kind of person. Like I'm mm-hmm. quite hands-on and I don't really, I found it really hard when William was crying. Like I, I probably wouldn't have gone to him straight away because yeah. you can't, you know, like I don't want to immediately helicopter mm-hmm. in and get him if he's crying. But then if I was upstairs, which I was a lot of the time because I was feeling so awful, and I'd listen to her and I'd be thinking, is she going to go and get, mm. should I go down? Should I, you know, mm. like he probably wants me or mm. should I, but I'd have to just keep telling myself to just leave it because actually 
she was there and looking yeah. after him and it was fine mm. and yeah. I didn't want to like um kind of get in the way mm. but then I was yeah. like but your mother is my baby was like, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah really it was really it was really hard actually um yeah, I think it was totally necessary because mm. I couldn't have done... And I kept having to remind myself that it was necessary because yeah. I couldn't have done the school runs every day. Mm. And, I mean, it's, as you know, mm. it's a relentless school run because it happens every day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just avoid it. Mm. So it was really... Help- uh, we were really lucky to have her, actually. Did you at any point speak to the professionals about the prognosis or were you very much just like... I'm going to get through this well, day slash week. Slash- I, t- I try to. Like, my actual consultant has been amazing right from the beginning. And I was really lucky because um, when you I say saw really him. really lucky. <laughs> yeah. I saw him. Like, he was the first consultant I saw at Frimley. But he also does surgeries at clinics at Frimley and at St. Luke's. And then also at the Nuffield, where I'm going at the moment. And actually... I've kept the same consultant and he's been really, really good right from the beginning. And I just get on with him as well, which has really helped. But he has always, always refused to talk about the prognosis all years, which I'm now really thankful for Mm. because I think that it's quite a tricky territory to then be told something. And all the time, actually, I always had this mentality right the way along you just don't know what's around the corner yeah. because like it might look like that at the moment. And mm. and this is kind of what I say to other people who have got similar um, diagnoses is just like, well, you don't really know, like you, if you can just hold on yeah. for a bit longer and then you don't know what's coming around the corner. So um, mm. just kind of don't, don't kind of give yourself a target to go to, but yeah. actually one of the real low points of the whole thing, it was quite early on and, I'd done, as you can imagine, plenty of Googling, which yeah. is not ideal. Mm, and yeah. I'd I'd really got a few of these like statistics stuck in my head of because it was triple negative breast cancer as well, which is one of the more difficult ones to treat and survive actually. Um, because it's it's so it's when it's triple negative it means that it's not a hormonally driven right. um cancer. So it's right. just literally luck of the draw it's not even a gene driven like it's you tested for people that pass it down through grandmothers and mothers and sisters and everything but it's not one of those ones either it's basically negative for everything other than it being luck cancer yeah yeah. so um and and at the same time there were people in the media who had died i remember rachel bland who is the oh yeah founder of the you me and the big Big c C. which i was religiously listening to because it was kind of just all coming out as I was going through the treatment and then she died of triple negative breast cancer around the same time that I was kind of in the doldrums so that was really and then the girl the lady from Girls Loud who I love Girls Loud is one of my favorite (laughs) fans she also Sarah Harding had triple negative breast cancer as well so there's just quite a lot of um reminders of reminders and then people locally similarly Mm. um which was really hard at the time as well because I'd have this awful kind of reminder like and it's 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 a funny psychology of like a a guilt almost Mm -hmm. like a how come I'm here and not them Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's like a constant reminder of it but anyway so I was going to say a low point was um I went up into London to see a specialist who was running trials of triple negative breast cancer patients and uh, I went with Paul and he basically he not he as in Paul but the 
consultant, the professor, he was really talkative and he basically just talked at us for like an hour. <laughs> as far as I can barely remember anything he was saying, he was like, oh, you've got this option and this option and then this is, and this is why this is happening and this is the biology and the chemistry around this and all this yeah. stuff. And then like halfway through, he just said really loudly and really kind of like slightly, um, slightly patronizing. He was, English wasn't his first language, so he was maybe slightly hampered by that in his kind of manner mm -hmm. but he said oh you have to understand now like really slightly patronizing he <laughs> said you have to understand now this is not curable right so then I was like literally couldn't listen to a mm -hmm. single thing and it was quite early on that I went to see him and I was just like this is just awful and it set me back miles you know mm -hmm. like and Paul he was like he was he, throughout the whole thing he's been fairly contained in his motion he doesn't really ever tell me what he thinks really mm. <laughs> Um, but he was really upset after that as well because it was a real shock and it came with no kind of warning. Mm. So mm. anyway, here I am. Yeah. And how, just whilst we're talking about Paul, how did how did Paul cope? And it, was it just like getting on practical? Yeah, he's and... such a, um, he just carries on. He's He likes to just keep busy mm. and actually he's a real jump to solutions person. Yeah. So to me like I think I wonder if also I, w I was always worried that he didn't have an outlet and I actually still yeah. worry about that now like it's it's in there somewhere and mm. like what's happened to all that emotion but um he 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 was really strong to me and yeah. um the children and we just carried on but um he had a few wobbles along the way for sure well understandable <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because I think I think sometimes I, I've been listening to um uh, another podcast and uh, they're talking about the carers of people who are going through cancer and mm. um and sometimes they because of course the attention's on the person who's going through the cancer and the treatment or whatever um condition but the that person who's caring for them's like going through it in the sense that they're watching this happening yeah. but at the same time feeling they have to be strong and um, yeah it's and, really difficult and yeah. actually it's one thing I've been reflecting on recently because a good friend of mine's husband's very ill and I've just been thinking like I want to try and support her but it's a really hard job yeah. and mm. it's it's almost easy being the one who's ill in a way like obviously you don't want to be yeah. the one who's ill but like it was in my own control and I could know what I felt about something yeah um and people people were all amazing like I haven't had any any I can't think back and think that somebody said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing at That's all. That's amazing. Yeah, because actually everybody's trying really hard and trying to mm. um, make it, you know, like make sure mm. that they're doing the right thing. So saying something's always better than saying nothing. It was nice to hear from people, but actually um, it is really hard to support mm. people yeah. who are ill and then feel like you can't really kind of do anything about it particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything particularly helpful that people did from the church or otherwise just general friends whilst you were going through? I think just people being being there had some really nice, thoughtful gifts quite early on, which uh, which were really nice. Like, you know, loads of some relatives and, and some friends have kind of kept the communication going through the whole thing. Like people would send cards. I had this one auntie who said... Sent, I don't know where she gets them from, but she sends all these really amazing motivational cards mm. and uh, and it just kept me going through that. Mm. And then just knowing that people were praying for me and 
actually having our prayer group on the WhatsApp group has been a massive, a massive support all the way mm-hmm. through. And actually it still is um, knowing that people were aware of what was, what was happening. Yeah. Um, and people were praying for me and then actually seeing the results. I, I felt like, Oh, there's a, that's because people are praying and, mm-hmm. or I've prayed and, and the results of it coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, now I don't know, uh, you know, like I probably should go through where, where I'm, at, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. from yeah. that point, um, because that was Williams now four, nearly five. So he's, it's almost five years ago. Yeah. So I'm about to blow the statistic out of the water from that I googled. (laughs) (laughs) Although nobody ever um, said, but but for some reason, I think five years is like a marker that people, people, the scientists, yeah, put put in. Um, So yeah, it's about five years. So I basically had the first bits of chemo, um, and then I had surgery, and then Mm. I had. Which way around was it? Yeah, surgery, and then I had radiotherapy, and then a, then a kind of regroup for a month or so to work out where we were, where I was at with it, and I still had quite a lot left, which was quite disappointing to deal with at the time. Yeah. So there was a lot in a really weird. Who knew that you've got loads of lymph nodes on your collarbone? Mm, no. There was like a big lump that was like three, four or five centimeters. You could feel it on the top of my no. collarbone. I'm still quite paranoid like, mm. about like feeling yeah. that now. Um, and then another random one came on my arm, which was really weird. I don't know what that was. That was a new one as well. So that was a worry. But mm. um, then I had more chemotherapy and then that didn't really work. And then through work, amazingly, I've got healthcare through work, which is, um, mm. I've never really, the weird thing is I've never really totally agreed with that. So if I had been employed and then they'd have said, you can choose whether to have healthcare or not, mm. I'd have said, no, it's okay, thank you. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm fine with the NHS. I love the NHS. And um, But they didn't. They said, you have to have it. It's a core benefit that you don't opt in or out of. So I had it. And then I went along. Uh, doctor, My doctor um, said, there's a thing that we could try that's an immunotherapy that's just coming mm. online now. And yeah. so he then wrote to my insurer who said, no, I couldn't have it because it was too costly and it wasn't proven enough mm. and it hadn't been gone through the right channels medically. Um, so that was a bit of a disappointment. And then, then basically then it started, I got this new lump on my arm and then yeah. he went back and asked again, like wow. three or four months later, which was amazing that he did that mm. because then they said, actually, yeah, we'll consider it this time because it's just been approved somewhere in Europe, one of the health bodies. So then they said, yes, you can start with a trial. Mm. So that was in the December. I had to cancel a holiday, which was very disappointing. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite okay because then I started that treatment straight away. Mm. And then literally three months later in February, I had my first scan after the, the new treatment, which was immunotherapy combined with chemotherapy. So I lost my, started losing my hair again, which was annoying. Um, but I had my first scan and it literally complete sp- response. It had all wow. gone in one in three month period. Isn't that amazing? I remember. I was trying to remember this timeline in my head because I, I remember if you asked me what the first time I, I'd seriously felt angry with God, mm. <laughs> it was that. It was the the 
after your chemotherapy when it was yeah. still growing. And I remember exactly where I was in the car. It was terribly dangerous. <laughs> but I just remember I was I was screaming at the top of my voice. I was alone mm. in the car. And at the time I had really small children and it's the only time you're alone, isn't it? I mm. absolutely screamed. <laughs> God, like, if you don't sort it out this time, that's <laughs> it, I'm done. You know, how is this even possible? Like the nicest woman with the most amazing family like it's just not fair and then you have this cancer free scan still makes me it's really it makes me (laughs) shiver a little bit bit. still just thinking about it it's just the most incredible miracle yeah and was this during covid this this part um yes so that was the year before covid Mm -hmm. um and then so i was still on the chemotherapy bit the chemo mixed with immunotherapy um when COVID started mm. but again like there's just so many I feel like I've been on this really amazing glide path of of I'm sure and I'm convinced it's mm. God's been looking out for me and, yeah. and kind of almost smoothing the way somehow mm. I don't know I feel so thankful because um because my treatment was established and it was in a routine and it was mm. relatively easy to administer and I've still got a port so I have it all intravenously so, but they moved the whole of the um, cancer ward to the Nuffield Gym in Farnham. Oh wow! <laughs> they moved. They did this amazing. The staff were totally amazing. They moved all that, all the equipment, all the chairs, mm-hmm. all the pumps, all the chemo. Like, so, I guess you then away from a hospital where it's a higher risk, and yeah, yeah. So they contained it all, and then they could use the hospital for actual COVID patients. So then we had this like phase and if you remember the weather was really nice around mm. that first bit of the lockdown yeah and and we were in lockdown but I was still able to go so it was like once every two weeks I had this like window of a morning out to go and sit and look <laughs> at this like really a fancy holiday. gym in Farnham looking at the looking at the um lake and having my treatment away from all the lockdown and the stress it was quite lovely I mean, not nice but well, yeah, not <laughs> nice yeah but actually, you know, it was a real breather for me. Yeah. yeah. So that carried on. Yeah. And I mean, because I mean, that must have been hard as well. If you're still going through treatment and you've got three kids mm. at home all day long. Yeah. But at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And homeschooling. Yeah. But then again, loved. like another, <laughs> another um, amazingly fortunate thing is that I actually didn't have that stress that a lot of people did have of trying to work and homeschool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... I was just off work, yeah. you know, I was on sick leave and I had them all and quite enjoyed homeschooling. Sorry, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> got, not got space We did a bit of Jay Wicks in the morning, <laughs> you know, it's actually quite a nice phase, apart from not feeling that great. But then actually, to be honest, by that point, the chemo started for the first six months with the mm. immunotherapy. But then after that, it just went into just immunotherapy and the side effects mm. of that are nowhere near mm. the chemo side effects. So I've just been building up again, really, since yeah. then. So, yeah. wow. so it's basically a bit of a miracle you're still here well it is yeah it is praise the lord i think definitely praise the lord mm. yeah and uh, and uh, actually I, f- I feel like well you might be a, you could carry on with your question it no it's all right i think <laughs> hannah was gonna ask you a question <laughs> i'm just interested to know whether like what how your faith played into this yeah. through the whole thing whether because mm. i think you know, I can imagine it's just a really personal thing. I think if it was me, I'd really struggle to see God in any of this. Mm. Um, but then equally, you know, I've heard people that God is the only reason that they kind of keep going. So where were you on that? 
Yeah, I feel like I was um, I kind of in the middle of that. Mm. As you, I'm kind of middle of the road kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been really conscious that never to challenge God with something that I think potentially can't be can't be solved Mm. like I wouldn't I I feel like my faith has always been to ask for strength to deal with things so that was my Mm -hmm. almost became a mantra prayer like Mm -hmm. please God give me strength to deal with whatever the Mm -hmm. thing was that week or that day and fill me with the Holy Spirit to give me the the kind of like yeah strength basically Mm -hmm. to to get on and um to deal with it and to support all my family, especially Paul and the children, because actually um, they kind of, I felt like they needed strength and support um, from God. And so, and, and I feel like it's like, I, I don't know why I do. I feel like I don't really want to set up myself to then be disappointed with God. If, if, my prayer hasn't been answered mm-hmm. yeah so you don't want to so pray like want take to, away the cancer yeah. Because, yeah i never prayed for the cancer to go and mm-hmm. i never was angry that i had it which mm-hmm. i feel really thankful for because mm-hmm. i just think well that's just you know it's it's not ideal obviously mm-hmm. but it's <laughs> mm-hmm. but i didn't have a i didn't have anger i just mm-hmm. i just thought oh that's just something Bit i have to deal with yeah it is yeah <laughs> something i have to just deal with and and then asking God to give me strength to to then deal Mm. with it and then I feel like it's really strengthened my faith because Mm. I've been in a I've it's enabled me to see more clearly where God's speaking to me and where he's answering people's prayers yeah um and it's been like an education and also just learning from other people as well and how people are praying and how they're dealing with their relationships with God and, mm. and that I've learned a lot from that as well. So the the faith element of um people coming to me and saying what they've been praying for was really helpful mm. to me to be like, oh that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Please pray for that. That'd be good. Aww. So yeah, I feel like it's, it's strengthened. Really then it's definitely yeah. I mean over the years having all the amazing stuff at St. Peter's and being part of the church family has really helped my faith as well as this what we're talking about in particular yeah. over the years yeah it's, it's mm. good it's really helpful because i think sometimes you can feel guilty can't you for you know like we know that it's a god of miracles and we know that god can do this but actually to have the to kind of most of us most of the time don't pray those those miracles for those miracles like we just pray the the kind of get me through yes get me through times and you know people were praying for miracles in your life anyway so in a way you know you don't need to deal with that as an extra kind of like you were saying about being disappointed by it like that's your kind of protection mechanism isn't it to keep your faith and your trust in god yeah Um, and it's for other people to pray those miracles over you yeah, when I say pray, I mean like scream. Yeah. <laughs> it's obviously worked. <laughs> Job, Job style. Look, I can't get what was that. Job style prayer, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. come on. I'd, I'd be. Uh, <laughs> come on. I think it's probably stretching it to say that I prayed. I just um, shouted. Raged. Scream, raged. <laughs> I'm not no, sure God even knew it was for prayer. him, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, what is going on down there? <laughs> you couldn't it's a crazy day. Like, <laughs> what? I can't. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, 
what would you say to say if there's a, a woman who's about to who's, who's just got a diagnosis of this um so I've got two parts of the question firstly what advice would you give her yeah and secondly what advice would you give to the people around that person um I think the the the, the thought that medical kind of miracles slash mm. science is happening all the time literally all the time like there's so mm. many jumps in science and just the fact that when I first started the treatment when I went mm. to see that professor in London who told me that I couldn't be cured and that still plays on my mind and I still mm. actually don't think I'm cured yeah. because he said that and also because I just think it's too good to be true mm-hmm. like you know it's like the next thing to deal with is how to deal with the fact that that could come back at any minute mm. but you always maintain a positive outlook that something's just around the corner that's going to be tailored for your yeah for you and your diagnosis yeah um because it still might happen yeah and actually some of the i mean there's just so many good stories these days of mm. um research and survival rates and mm. and all that it's definitely turned the corner in terms of cancer being the, this kind of big scary yeah thing you know it's happening to so many people and actually people are kind of taking it in their stride to a certain extent but at the same time not to be kind of thinking that it's belittling it Mm -hmm. because actually it's a it is a big deal still and and for some people it's it's you know that it's it is still in in a bad place Mm. would you would you advise people like that to connect with other people in the sort of yeah i think so it's a horrible word the cancer world as yeah such or... well interesting in the cancer world possibly not but everybody's different now that's my mantra i've remembered it <laughs> everybody, everybody's con- everybody's condition and cancer is totally different mm. and the way that your cancer has presented itself is different from every single other person who's got even that label of the same type of cancer because the way that your own body like for example my immunotherapy only 20% of the people who start it carry on with it for various reasons. Either it hasn't worked or it doesn't agree with them. Um, and there's this kind of like tail end of the chart that people just are carrying on. And that's only 20% of people that even have it. So you might have two identical cancers and two different people mm-hmm. and it'd be different. So don't ever compare yourself to anyone else is the number one, which then made me think on a, on some of the forums I went on, there was like triple negative forums, which were obviously helping some people. And I think if you're a forum kind of person, then that's that's good. But it wasn't particularly helpful to me because it was just a constant reminder that every week they'd be like, oh, we'll say goodbye. They, so-and-so's gone up with the angels or, you know, like we'll say goodbye mm-hmm. to another person who'd be prolific poster and then they weren't there anymore. So that was quite hard. Plus also... I didn't really want to hear the stories of it working well for people because I'd just be like, well, that's not me because yeah. everybody's cancer's different. Yeah. So beware of, wary of those kind of forums, mm. I would say. Um, it's helpful. Thank yeah. You. But and then people helping, yeah. um, just as I said before, it's just literally communication is better than no communication mm. and not to be worried that you're being a bit pestery or, you know, I mean, not bombard people, but <laughs> don't be afraid of like, saying how you doing and and also don't be afraid of sharing your own news because I've I've got that with my friend at the moment I'll be like oh I better not say 
that because that's just compared with mm. where she's at that's like you know why would she want to know that something's happened in my family but actually she probably would because it, it just brings it back into reality yeah. yeah and you can't just be one track mind thinking about cancer the entire time mm. so just um don't be afraid to keep close to them and check if they're all right and also all these nice things of people bringing meals around and stuff at the beginning that was amazing yeah we're a big fan of meals around the house yeah, absolutely <laughs> Yeah. Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> there used yeah. to be a um there's a lovely lady in our church, she's an older lady, and she um she used to drop just some I mean, on the surface of it, the most random things on my doorstep, but it always really, really touched me. Sometimes it was just like a single portion of apple crumble and a and a tin of custard, which, oh, you know, nice. for a family of four is always necessarily Good the most helpful secret lunches but exactly i just hid it away and yeah. had it to myself on the yeah. bed. <laughs> she probably meant it for you yeah 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 or she just thought am i yeah had a very small appetite but anyway what i'm saying is any food even if you think it's not enough is good for me yeah so. <laughs> drop a crumble yeah. on helen's door any day um there's one area i also wanted to just share about going back to work yeah because i feel yeah. like that's Share-away. been a real challenge actually and it's I've been back for a year now and it's only really just getting like I can feel like I've I've had huge imposter syndrome the entire year of just thinking I don't know what I'm doing mm. you know like I've been off for four years mm. it was really difficult and actually last week I just thought I'd share this thing that my boss it's actually my boss's boss we were at this kind of like networking day thing where you had to just talk all day and I started talking to him at one point about this other lady who he came to me and said, oh, there's this other lady who's had the same thing as you. She's gone off on maternity leave and it's morphed into cancer leave, but she's coming back soon and she's going to be the group leader of this team. And he said, and I'm really worried about it. I was like, OK, well, do you want me to contact her? And he was like, well, maybe. But I'm just really worried because when you came back this is literally word for word what he said. He said, when you came back, all these people kept telling me, oh, Charlotte Hurlow's really good. You know, she's she's be perfect for this job or this thing. And then you came back and, and you said, I was absolutely underwhelmed. <laughs> Can you believe it? He's what? Like, oh, I hope you slapped him around the face. He actually said, I thought, she, I thought you were second rate, but you're starting to show, like, I'm starting to see now <laughs> where... Um, what they were talking about oh, oh my, my gosh i've hardly shared that with anybody yet because i can't really decide what to do about it so um shows total and it hasn't awareness. actually helped my own confidence looking back because i actually thought that at the time and mm. now i think mm. well i obviously was thinking that for it, a reason because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've just been really rubbish yeah. the whole year but my overall message is um that it just when if you do go back from a long period of absence mm. it just takes time mm. to settle in and the majority of people that's a bad story probably to tell because everybody else mm. has just been amazing and mm. haven't really challenged me with really difficult things to do to start with they were just like gently gently kind of like giving me a few token jobs to do mm. um but now I feel like I'm you know probably six months into it and now a year into it I'm I'm cooking on gas a bit more. Yeah. Um, but it's a really hard transition, mm. um, actually. Because yeah. you kind of want to go in and pick off where you left off. Yeah. Pick up where you pick, left yeah. off. Yeah, and you yeah. can see other people in the four years I've sure. been off. People at my level are like doing left, right and centre jobs. Sure. And I think... Mm. But um, in the round, uh, I, I've, I, I'm, I'm doing a mixed message, I think, here. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the round. We're women, we do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of trying to be encouraging to people to going back after the thing, but I've now probably made them think, oh no, I'm going to be really rubbish. Because right, what you're saying is just you, you're not going to go back where yeah. you left off. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And also, I've got an element of like, I'm still here. And I've got that as yeah. a, a running current through my whole life now mm. is that actually here I am yeah. and every time the children are not every time because obviously life's different but sometimes when they're just being a bit annoying or I'm finding things difficult I just suddenly just like I have this check of thinking mm. hang on a minute here I am like Watching I didn't think I would up. be here yeah. Yeah. at this point and now here they are nearly 10 six <laughs> and five you know I just <laughs> think oh, that's so cool I'm here <laughs> so it just brings it back into um so what if I'm not doing a great job at work. Yeah. You know. And it, I think it's a good, in case anyone's listening, who's an employer as well and has got someone coming mm. back, I think it's good to remind them that, okay, th- that person might not be coming back to the in the mm. way that you remembered them like yeah. two or three years ago or however long it is, but just to give them time and space yeah, yeah. to get back. Slack, yeah. Because um, yeah. things change in the workplace all the time as well. That's the other yeah. thing. Like we'd had COVID and yeah. everybody had done like working online and everything. And I couldn't barely work teams for the first few months. I was like, it's a lot to learn. And yeah. so actually people just need a bit of time to Absolutely. get used to it. And also to remember that even that person saying that to me last week was unacceptable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, because he said, oh, I wouldn't have said that to you at the time, obviously. And I was like, well, I <laughs> still me. You know, like here I am a year later, you're oh still saying it to God. me now and now it makes me makes me think, Oh, you know, like are you trying to say like I am back to it was yeah. just a really bad episode. My husband would tell me that he wouldn't call me fat and if I actually was fat. So maybe it's like a case of that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's saying you're underwhelming yeah. because you're not underwhelming. I think but I that's somebody said that to me. Some they were reading into psychology. what he said underneath what he meant underneath was he You're felt great. able to yeah. say that to me now <laughs> yeah. because he's seen evidence and he obviously thought I, I did have mm. something to offer the company after all. Men are so blooming confusing, aren't uh, they? Yeah. yeah. Well, or I think not or rude. That, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Yeah. Just, just like, straightforwardly, just yeah. you know, plain. Anyway, that's another element to the, to the whole mm. thing. That was really helpful, but, thank you. Um, but actually, helpfully at work, there is also a Christian network of people that has been helpful in coming back as well. Which is uh, an aside. They've got um, a fellowship group like once a month and prayer requests go through that, which is really nice. And it's totally separate from anyone's actual J job, but just a network of of people that's like, awesome. going for lunch. So I that's don't hear been about really that helpful. very much amongst no, yeah. companies days. tend to hear. Yeah. yeah. So that was good. You're an absolute inspiration, Charlotte. Nah. Yeah, you daily, I'd say, inspire me and um, your much. positivity and yeah, I'm, I just, I, I just love, I love hanging out with you. I love <laughs> hearing your testimony and I love just being your friend because I think you, yeah, you inspire me and I'm sure you're going to inspire other people. Absolutely. And thanks Absolutely. very much for having me and thanks also for everyone with you two and everyone in our home group and um, network and church because I feel really, really thankful that I've been part of the group. And Aww. we're thankful for team. you. Very, very. Thank thankful. you very much, everybody. Yeah, love, it's, it's love, weird because I met I met you literally just before COVID. So you must have been in your chemo treatment, mm. and I don't think you were very well at the time. And then I never saw you, you for like what you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, <you laughs> it's about Charlotte Hurley. I know, right? <laughs> Second rate. 
Um, well, William was quite small at that yeah. stage. So I think, yeah, you must have been sort of mid-treatment. Yeah. And, um, and then I didn't see your face, I think, for a year because mm. of COVID again, which was very strange. But I kept getting all these updates on home group. Yeah, you probably what knew me that? more from that, the WhatsApp yeah. than you did me yeah. personally. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been... Um, it's been lovely well not lovely to hear your story but you know what I mean it's yeah. sort of um yeah I'm I'm just in awe of your positivity yeah. through it all to be honest complete awe well Helen's going to pray for you because I don't like praying out loud <laughs> <laughs> dear Lord God we are so thankful for Charlotte and Paul and the children um and Lord God we are thankful that even when we don't know what to say even when we can't pray those prayers and even when we scream at you and that you listen and sometimes we don't even need to speak for you to listen father and god we think of anybody that is going through treatment that is going through supporting somebody or that um, this triggers in terms of people that they've lost as well father god Mm. we we know that you are god over everything (laughs) including cancer and we're grateful for that although we don't always understand how that works out what that looks like but god we're so thankful that we do still have charlotte here with us Mm. that you've got more for her (laughs) to do just yet and we're thankful for all of those children and for paul as well we do pray that you would inspire people through charlotte's story and that you would continue walking with that family really closely so they might all know the love that you have for all of them Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much Thank again, you, Charlotte. Thank you. Bye. Remember, all the links that we've talked about today can be found on our show notes. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do remember to hit subscribe if you haven't done already. And even better, you can help us reach a wider audience by giving a quick review on whichever platform you're listening on. See you next time. Bye. Bye.